So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast with ben hartley where you get the positive energy you need to help you grow your business your relationships and your mindset if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog post visit sixfigurephotography.com Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Six Figure Photography Podcast. I am your host, Ben Hartley, and on today's episode, we're talking taxes. I know the cringe may have just gone across your face, but you need it. Like this is this is like what's the phrase? Like like an accountant is like not the hero you want, but the hero you need. We're gonna get to this in a little bit, you guys. The entire purpose of this podcast, this episode, and every episode to come before it and to come after it is to help you grow your business. And one of the ways that we do this is surely by my infectious positive energy. I'm just kidding, but also through bringing on amazing guests, right? Who've got knowledge, who've got skills and insight into into your business, who can help give you just even if it's just a nugget, but all the time, it's far more than that. On today's episode, I already expressed it. We're talking taxes with Craig Cody. And this is one of those things that we have to recognize, you guys. We are business owners. I know we're creatives. I know we're photographers. I know we're artists, but man, we are business owners, which means that we have to be paying attention to this stuff. Craig Cody, uh, some men have called him uh, the tax whisperer. Right. And for good reason, like he's the co-author of the best-selling uh, Secrets of a Tax-Free Life. We'll get some links out to that at the end of the show. Um, and has an absolute passion for saving his clients thousands of dollars in taxes every year. He's a certified public accountant for 17 years, certified tax coach, a business owner in his own right. You guys, this is probably my favorite fact about Craig. Uh, New York City cop. That's just awesome. Uh, he's an all-around great guy, and we're going to talk to about him. Uh, talk about him right now. Uh, you guys, welcome, Craig Cody. Craig, how you doing, man? Very good. Thank you very much for having me. Dude, of course. So we got to talk about this whole NYC cop thing and how you got into taxes. Like, can we just start there? So talk, like, what, what was your career like as a New York City cop? How did you get into that? And what was the transition into accounting like? Sure, sure. Well, I was originally an economics major. Um, my dad was a police officer, um, came from a pretty blue collar neighborhood. We all took the test just to take the test. Uh, I was third year of college. I got the phone call. I said, geez, if I could do this and make 50 grand by the time I retire, I'll be set for life. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I went and I, and I did it. And I, I loved it. I had a great run, did a lot of good things, met a lot of great people, 
um, moved up the ladder a bit. And um, then about, you know, 16, 17 years in, it was time for change. And um, somewhere along the way, I kind of got into doing taxes. And, um, that, that sounds like that's like it takes a. I feel like it takes a very and now this is coming from the complete opposite end of the spectrum, Greg. But I feel like it takes a very unique individual to say that some way along the way, I got into taxes. Like I could see somebody be like, some way along the way, I got into like pottery or like bird watching. But <laughs> but taxes. Have you always had an affinity towards numbers and, I, and structure? Always loved numbers. Um, originally got into taxes because I wanted to go into financial planning, figured dif- dif- differentiate myself from other retired police officers. Um, but I just fell in love with the, the tax aspect of it and planning and showing people how to save money. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's huge. So look, you, you've got a book. We're going to jump right. Like, by the way, listeners, a lot of times we go backstory on this kind of stuff. This is about as far backstory that as I want to go, because I want to take full advantage of Craig Cody right now. Uh, be like, this is, this is a big, like having someone who's like a certified public accountant for the last 17 years. Like we're going to get into some nitty gritty stuff. We're going to talk, uh, into some of the details right now. And so let's dive right in. You've got a book called secrets of a tax free life. That seems like a, like a tax free life? Is this a hyperbole? Explain yourself. Yeah, there's no such thing as a tax-free life, but there's ways to minimize your taxes and keep more of what you make. So about five years ago, I co-authored that book with uh, about nine other colleagues of mine, and we got it out there. And, um, you know, it, it, it was it's a good read. It's got good information. It's a little bit entertaining. Um, but since then, we kind of um, regrouped, and I put out my own book. Nice. What's your own book? My own book is the 10 most expensive tax mistakes that cost business owners thousands. So that kind of gets right down to the down and dirty and uh, figure out what, what you need to take advantage of. This sounds, this sounds like 10 things that I want to know right now. I just discovered the next 10 questions for the episode. <laughs> this is good. Can I ask you actually, can I ask you a question? Sure. This is something that I've, I've been having to constantly struggle with. Like, um, you know, anytime you're running a business, like change is inevitable, change continues to occur. Um, and then there's all the things that are just like outside of your control with, with a change of, let's say a change of guard, if you will, um, with, with laws and jurisdiction. Uh, and so like, there's been a, a ton of tax reform this year, uh, and, and no less on a healthcare reform. That's a whole other topic. Um, but like what, what's kind of maybe, and maybe this is too high level. I'm not sure, but like, wh- what are some of these tax reforms like, and, and what do they maybe more so more importantly, what does this mean for our business? And maybe especially as like, as, as kind of small businesses, solopreneurs for many of us, what do some of these reforms mean? Well, the big thing is uh, section 199, the qualified business income deduction, which is what that basically comes down to is a 20% deduction on your pass-through income. So to keep it real basic, if you had a business that you were running through, let's just say an S corporation or an LLC, and the pass-through income was $100,000 on your K-1, you would get another $20,000 deduction against that hundred. So that's a, a wonderful thing for a business owner. So as you were talking, I the words entered into one ear and then they went out the other and and here I am still. And so can we talk about this again? Because look, I, I, I'm like, like numbers are the bane of my existence and, and, and yet it's the thing that we, we need. And so maybe let's rewind. Can you talk about that? Let's break down even further, even more layman's terms. Maybe even some examples could even help. Sure. So, so qualified business income deduction 
comes about because Congress reduced the tax rate on C corporations. So most small businesses, probably most of your audience, if not all, is are not C corporations. You know, IBM, big companies like that are typical typically your C corporations. Yeah, I imagine very few if any listeners and there's probably a couple who who a are handful, actually yes. C corp. Yeah, handful. Um, so what they decided to do is to give the rest of the people some kind of a business friendly deduction. So this qualified business income is as long as you meet certain qualifications, okay, and most businesses will meet that qualification, the government says after you're all done and you figure out what your net profit is, we're going to take 20% of that net profit and we're going to say you can now deduct that on your tax return. So you pick up all the income, but then we're going to say deduct 20% of that income as as a qualified business income deduction. All right. That's a big gift. That's nice. Correct. So, I mean, if somebody's in the 24% federal bracket and they made a hundred grand, that $20,000 is almost, you know, what? $2,500, You know? Yeah. So, so, so the important component of this though is, do you have to be filed as an S corp? No, you could be a single member LLC. You can be an LLC. You can be a sole proprietor. There are a couple of things that um, you have to be aware of, such as wages. We're still waiting for, you know, IRS to come out with some revenue procedures to kind of explain things. Um, but that's the basic gist of it. Yeah. And this is pretty fresh, like, like super fresh. This or- is real fresh, real fresh. Yes. You know, this is the end of December and still waiting for the IRS to come down with some um, revenue procedures to kind of point out some things because they talk about people that have a cap uh, on that 20% deduction or who may not get that 20% deduction. And they talk about consultants and they talk about professionals, but then it goes on to how much money you're making. So if your taxable income is less than $315,000, then you don't have to worry about the caps. So the important thing is that people should be communicating and talking to their current CPA or accountant about this. Okay. Don't wait to talk to them in March or April. And is this something that um, is just for moving forward 2018 year or is this taking place I, like 2017? You've, you, I know the taxes were already due, but unless you put uh, what, what's the uh, extension. extension? Yeah. I mean, is this for just moving forward 2018? Just 18 forward. Nice. And nice. I believe there is a 10 year sunset provision on this if it doesn't get extended. So, so let's just let's let, let's kind of lay this out. I love a good action step for listeners because again, for some people, this may still be like, "Wow, that was a bunch of BS jargon." Um, but it sounds like I could save some money. Uh, what is the converse? What is the, what are some of the words that they say? They 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 pull over the car and they pick up the phone. They call their accountant. And they say, "Yo, I just listened to this podcast, and they told me to ask you about what the qualified business income deduction section one ninety nine qualified business income reduction deduction deduction amen let's keep going so look you've talked about uh the the, the biggest mistake that any individual can make that any business can make um no matter how big or small is simply failing to plan like I think that for many of us, and again, I'm speaking from personal experience, like we stepped into this, not, not with a business background, not with even an idea that we were going to have a business. We were just making photographs. We were creating artwork and then suddenly start, people started giving us money and we get a year in two years, three years in, and it's our sole source of income. And so I think this whole notion of, of really planning our taxes is something that maybe many creatives struggle with. 
can you kind of speak to this uh, a little bit? And I'd love to kind of unpack some some practices, uh, some strategies to actually begin to plan uh, thinking about your taxes throughout the year. Yeah. So number one is your, your bookkeeping has to be up to date, and you know you have to make that decision. Does it make sense to have you know somebody that does this all the time do my bookkeeping? Is it cost efficient for me? You know, does it make sense? Because if you don't know your numbers, I mean, your numbers really, you need them for a lot of things, not just taxes, but you need them to, you know, run your business. So uh, up-to-date, accurate books are important. You know, uh, do I need to, you know, buy equipment? What is it that I need to do? Do I have the funding for that? Um, Do I have the funding to live a regular lifestyle? Um, Do I want to hire people? So having accurate and up-to-date books are important. So you need to have that information. So, um, to have that conversation with your CPA or accountant. And hopefully you have a professional that's doing that for you because you probably make more money doing photography than you do doing bookkeeping. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So knowing your numbers are important. And then you can have an intelligent conversation with your CPA or accountant to figure out, okay, how do I take best take advantage of this new Section 199 deduction? Are there any things we need to change? So when I first started, uh, Craig, this was back in I'd have to, 2012 uh, uh, is when I started. I say it like it was a really long time ago. It's actually not that long ago. So 2012, when we first started, we did all of it on our own, Craig. Uh, we, 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 we did our bookkeeping. We filed our taxes. We did the thing. And it was a nightmare. It was the worst. I wouldn't wish this upon anyone. Uh, uh, if I could go back, you know, like if I could give probably like one of my fingers to to have that year of my life back, I would. Uh, like this is how it's, this is how intense I feel about it. And by the time the so the next year came around, we we brought on an account. We were like that was that was just too stressful, too much. Again, play to your strengths. Um, Craig, it actually cost more money um, to have the accountant kind of go back, f- figure everything out, educate us on on practices, get stuff uh, put together properly. It cost more money having them do that uh, than it would have if we would have just paid them the first time to do it right. Not and this is besides the fact that we would have like saved like I, I probably knocked a year of my life off that year like I <laughs> of stress uh, like we would have just like had a much better like lifestyle during that year and I'll never forget that and it's one of the pieces of advice that you know we're always talking about outsourcing. Uh, your editing uh, as photographers, we're, we always talk about outsourcing, you know, kind of like your client relationship management with the, like with some software, but like accounting really is the nut, like that needs to be day one, number one, the thing that you really should heavily consider uh, looking at, at outsourcing. Yes, because people too often, they look at um, accounting and tax prep as an expense item. They should really look at it as an income item because if they're working with the right person, that person should be able to uncover many deductions for them that'll more than exceed what they're paying them to do the work they do. Yeah. Can we talk about some of those? Yeah, like, sure. It's like the, How in about- your book, like the top 10 most expensive tax mistake businesses uh, are making um, that can cost them thousands. So let, let's maybe, I, I don't know, like should, should, which way do you want to sure, go with this? Well, let's, we, we talked about failing. Talked about failing to plan. We talked about qualified business income. Uh, uh, briefly, we'll talk about audit paranoia. You know, people worried. You know, they don't want to take a legal deduction because they're worried about a, an audit. 
All right. Dude, this is me. Craig, Craig, you just pegged me. Like I'm terrified of an audit and I don't know, I don't know why I've, I feel like I've learned some way along, maybe watching too many shows that like an audit is the, is the worst thing in the world and it'll be the death of me. And I don't, I don't know why I'm terrified of an audit. Why do we, why are people scared of an audit? Because everybody's scared of the IRS. You know, yeah. why, you know, of course the big bad IRS, but you know what, if you do things correctly, you document what you're doing. All right. If, if you are one of those people that do get audited, more likely it'll be a notice. All right. You have the backup to defend what you've done. Now you have to do things that are legitimate. If you're not doing things that are legitimate, then yeah, you should be concerned about an audit. So, um, let's go on to something else. Um, the right business entity. Are you set up as a sole proprietor? Are you set up as an LLC? a corporation, an S corporation, you know, what are the kind of like for, for, for small businesses, what are like the, the main options out there? There's like an LLC, there's an LLC as an S corp. Like what, what are some of the options out there? Well, there's the sole proprietor, which is basically you have, you know, no real in court, any legal entity status. All right. You just go to the typical of the County and you get a, a doing business as, as that entity. Um, then you have your, LLCs, your single member LLCs, your S corporations and your corporations. Typically, the thought that goes into all this is they reach out to their attorney and the attorney says, yeah, oh, I like LLCs in, in whatever state you're in. So they form an LLC. Um, usually, there's no thought that goes into it. Okay, well, what are the tax effects of having an LLC? Is there a way to do something different? Is there, you know, from a tax perspective, can I get a better entity choice and maybe legally still be the same way? Or can I take that LLC and tax it as an S corporation? But typically there's no conversation that goes on that way. So I think it's important, you know, to have that attorney and that CPA have a quick conversation, see what works best for the individual person. And does this vary state to state? It does vary state to state slightly because some states have certain rules of who can be what. Um, but and there's some liability issues uh, state to state, but that's why you have the two people put their heads together and you figure it out. Podcast listeners, I apologize for interrupting the interview, but I just I have to give a shout out to two big supporters of the industry, two big supporters of the SFP podcast. And so I'm going to be brief here. The first is the Giphy booth. All right. So here's the deal. Uh, it is essentially a photo booth, but it is a modern, fresh, uh, new take on a photo booth. It makes animated GIFs and photographs. Now, here's the deal. I'm a working wedding photographer. I am not a photo booth owner. And I want you guys to understand this. This is perfect. If you are a photographer first, out shooting events, uh, portraiture, that type of thing, this booth is amazing because it requires so little work. Like I've I've had other photo booths. I still own another photo booth, but the Giphy booth is the thing that I love because I just get to set it up in under five minutes. It it's like a it's the size of like a laptop bag essentially. Um, it automates everything once you're done with an event. Uh, it's such an easy upsell. And one of the great things about it is because it takes so little overhead to actually run uh, an event that I essentially get to pass that savings on to my client. And so I can I can charge less for it, do more events and remain so much more stress-free. It also has like built-in marketing tools. You guys just need to check it out. It is called the Giphy Booth. Go check it out at giphy.com, G-I-F 
yyy.com, three Y's, G-I-F-Y-Y-Y.com. By the way, use the coupon code SFP2017 for some dope discounts. Maybe just mention my name, dude. You know, Ben Hartley, SFP2017 uh, is the code uh, to go check this thing out. I own one and I promise you I'm buying another this year as well. Next up on my thank you list is Freedom Edits. You guys, look, the end of the day, you can't grow your business if you are doing everything. It's just a, it's a fact that we all have to face. And to have somebody who's doing the bulk editing, by the way, when I say bulk editing, like I get to still, you get to still choose to edit the photographs that you want to edit, the beautiful portfolio shots, the stunning bridal portraits, whatever it is that you get excited about, please keep editing that. But all of the bulk stuff that slowly kills your soul please go check out Freedom Edits and have them take care of it because they're going to give you consistent results with personal touch. This is the thing. It's the personal touch. Like the intentional decisions that that uh, Freedom Edits, by the way, in-house editors, not like outsourced, in-house editors make, I freaking love because they're actually making intentional creative decisions and not just doing these like robotic choices where you get images back and you're like, why did they expose for that? They like, like any normal creative would have understood that there was an off-camera flash and and done this right. Freedom Edits will do it right, you guys. I freaking love them. Go check out Freedom Edits. By the way, uh, it's freedomedits.com forward slash Ben Hartley. That's where you need to go. Freedomedits.com forward slash Ben Hartley. They're going to give you the first full wedding free, you guys. Again, just mention my name, Ben Hartley. They're going to give you the first full wedding free. Like, Do you want to save a couple days this week? Then go do this right now. Freedomedits.com forward slash Ben Hartley. All right, let's get back to the show. In, in my in my experience, sitting down with like an accountant, I, I always feel like there's these really important conversations to have, um, and I, I just never quite know maybe the direction to take conversations. Like I feel like the accountant looks at me like I um, uh, like waiting for me to ask the right thing or to tell like does that make sense or to tell them what to do? And and I, I guess I'm curious from you, you know, as as an accountant of 17 years, like, are there really good questions that we all should be asking our accountants? Um, like, do you have any, any kind of like a, a grouping of questions? You're like, look, th- th- these are just really strong things to be leading into to be having conversations with your accountant each year or when you're starting off with a relationship. So so what what I say is you need to communicate often. If you communicate often, all those things will come up. All right. Um, if you don't communicate often, then nothing will come up. So we like to communicate with our clients. Typically, we set up a Zoom meeting once a month. Okay, it might be five minutes, but there's some communication, and you'll be amazed just talking. It doesn't even have to be so much to do about directly about taxes. Talking about the P and L, the things that come up, and then you realize, okay, this is what's going on. Maybe this is a better way to do it. If you don't communicate, you know, you don't. The guy doesn't know. The doctor doesn't call you up and say, "How are you feeling today?" Right. You have to tell him. So that's the reason you need to communicate. And, you know, he should be communicating with him. And you want to make sure that whoever you're dealing with is not reactive, but proactive. Okay. It's easy if he reacts to everything, but you're going to pay a lot of money in tax. If that person or that, you know, they're proactive, they're going to come to you with ideas based on whatever your business is. 
Yeah. How is like, is there any advice for like finding a, a good accountant and maybe, maybe by good accountant, I feel like I'm like kind of defining it as you go, like someone who is proactive, someone who is willing to connect with you and have that open dialogue. Um, one of the issues that I've kind of run into is, is the, um, I feel like, and, and I understand you, you, you pay for work, but maybe having some sort of expectation of what that dialogue looks like and what you're going to be billed for, for, you, does that make sense? Yeah, like I've had a conversation that I got like this massive bill right. for that. I was like, bro, I just, I called you to ask a, right. a two minute question about my nanny and it turned into a $500 bill. Um, and so I don't know, is there any advice for actually finding an accountant that fits into these categories? Yeah. Well, you, you, you want to talk pricing and, you know, do you work on a, a, an hourly fee? Do you work on a flat fee? Like we work with our clients all on a flat fee. So they, they are not scared to call or email and ask a question. Right. And they know they're going to have that call every month with us. So, um, I would say, yeah, you want to work with somebody that's willing to, you know, be accessible and isn't going to do like the attorney when you leave him a voicemail and he charges you, you know, his seven minute minimum for that listening to that voicemail. You want somebody that you could feel free to speak with. All right. And you want somebody that's going to come to you with ideas on ways to legally reduce your tax liability, you know, keep more of what you make. Yeah. Do you feel like it's important to live in the physical space city as your as your accountant or is that not important in 2018? In 2018, that's not important as long as that person's aware of the different rules in the different states. We have clients coast to coast. Um, so it's, it's not an issue. The Internet's a wonderful thing. And once again, we're in 2018. Yeah. I have a question for a listener out there who's like, as they're hearing you talk and they're hearing the things like, like, uh, uh, proactive planning and, and these multiple touch points. Um, and maybe they're kind of checking it against their current experience that they have. And they're wondering, maybe I need to be looking at another solution. I think one of the, the things is it maybe feels daunting for, for some people to like switch. Uh, is that like as much as we're scared of being audited and, and the IRS, is there an unnecessary fear for switching? Um, like I almost feel like for myself, there's like this history that that is there, this presence, like this of of the last you know however many years I've had with them. Is that something that is easily transferable, or is it easy in quotes and it's actually a nightmare? Like, uh, or are we just kind of stuck with where we're at? No, you should not be stuck with where you are. And and transitioning, you know, it's always change is always hard, but as long as you have the proper documentation. You know, it should be pretty seamless as long as people are, you know, respect, you know, each other and, you know, provide you have either the old documents or your former CPA or accountant has them and is willing to provide them to the new accountant. I mean, we've onboarded, you know, many clients over the years and, you know, very rare is is there an issue as far as getting documentation. And, you know, by communicating, you'll find out what's going on. Okay. If if there's something big that has happened in the past, maybe they have a big net operating loss from a big loss they had years ago. That's information you want to have, but it's already documented. The IRS has that information. If you need it, you can always get it from them. You know, you want somebody, I always say, you know, when was the last time your CPA came to you with an idea to save you taxes? And typically 99.9% of the times I get the glazed overlook and it's never, you know, so, and there's plenty of people out there that, that can help you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, just, I was sorry. I, I was kind of lost in my own thought cause I was kind of doing that. I was answering that question in my own mind as you were, as you were stating that question, like when's the last time I was like, huh? Okay. Something to be considering here. Um, can we go back and talk a little bit more about this whole audit thing? Cause now that's got me stewing like, 
what happens in an audit? Like I, I bet there are some listeners who've who've gotten that letter or they've had that, or at the very least, some of those listeners who who are scared of it. Um, and it may be in the back of their head. They're you know, uh, is there? Can, can we kind of paint a picture of what it actually looks like? Maybe that'll help us to uh, to kind of deal with the unknown. Yeah. Well, typically most audits are not full blown audits. Most audits are, you know, you'll get a notice. They want to see certain documentation. You provide the documentation. You're good to go. Okay. On, on the outside chance that you have a full blown audit, it's typically even at that point where it's an in-person audit, they want to see certain items. Like when you say full blown audit, I'm imagining a guy in a top hat coming in and confiscating my computer and throwing paper around the office. Uh, like that's that's the picture that I have currently. Maybe that's an FBI raid. Is yes, what I'm that's more of an FBI that's, raid. Okay, cool. Okay, that was that was in my mind. I'm like full blown audit. That's what I was imagining. Oh, okay. now, now somebody that's obviously obviously involved in criminal activity is a different story. Sure. But I think most people, um, they're not going to have a full-blown audit. There's going to be things that the IRS may want to look at and documentation, you know, they'll want to be provided. Sometimes it can be done via the mail and sometimes it's done in person. And, you know, my experience is, you know, um, they're generally, you know, not very um, uh, combative. All right. They typically go pretty well. You provide them what they need. They have a job to do and you let them do their job. But you should always be documenting everything you're doing. That's why keeping good books and records is important. Can I ask about that in, in a digital age, um, the, the the notion of keeping good books and records? Um, like I am the guy who I go to the, the you know the gas station. I'm on a I'm, a, I'm photographing a wedding and uh, and I buy the the client a bottle of water right um, to hydrate them. And the, the clerk at the store says, would you like your receipt? And I'm like, hell no, I don't want my receipt. Like, I don't want that little piece of paper wandering, like flying around in my car or, or anything else because I, I pay everything with credit card, right? Like every single thing is on my business card. Is that, is that documentation enough? Most often it is. Now, if it's a big, if it's a big item, you want to keep that receipt also. So if you're buying office furniture and you're spending a couple of thousand dollars, you definitely want to, you know, writing off that bottle of water is going to be a little bit tough to, to actually uh, substantiate why you could write that bottle of water off. But let's just say you're taking a client out and you're having dinner and you are speaking about business. So that's, that's a legitimate deduction. And typically somebody is going to have something in there phone in their calendar, right? And they're going to have the matching receipt or the matching credit card charge. You know, that should be enough. Sure. Okay. That, that puts my mind a little bit at ease, but you're saying any larger purchases, make sure that you keep that, you keep that physical receipt, you keep that documentation. Right. Exactly. And you know what? Just stick them in an envelope, you know, and leave it there in the event that you ever get looked at. Yeah. So, you know, another thing that I think is really relevant to your listeners is the home office. So um, people always tend to think that taking a home office deduction is, is really, you know, it's a red flag where the IRS is going to come swoop down and get them. And that's really not the case. A couple of years ago, the IRS actually even came out with a safe or harbor rule as far as what, what they're not even going to look at as long as it's done a certain way. So, and by having a home office, it opens up a lot of other things that you can do, such as now your travel from your home office to whether it's your other office or to clients is all deductible. Whereas if you don't have a home office, it would not be deductible. 
Interesting. So if you have a studio and you drive to your studio from your home each day, that's not deductible? Correct. Yeah. But if you have a home office where you spend about 15 hours a week, and that could be doing billing, that could be doing research, you know, sending emails to prospective clients, et cetera, um, then it is a bona fide home office and you get to, you know, deduct a percentage of all your expenses related to that house. But the big things that it, it unlocks is it unlocks that travel and it also unlocks what we call the home athletic facility, which could be your home gym or your pool. I like the way you're going. Maybe the entertainment center. Correct. I'm just kidding. So, but let's talk about some of these kind of maybe like, like what denotes a home office? Like I have a laptop and it sits out on, on my dining room table. The dining room table never gets used. It's one of those like weird rooms in the home. That's like, it's pretty. And it has a nice table that that's, that like no one sits at. Cause it's probably a little too nice. Like it's marble and no one wants to stain it. And there's a bunch of photographs on the wall and like everything's, it's like the most beautiful room in the house that no one goes in. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right. It's one of the, it has a rug for crying out loud. Like, Correct. okay, you get it. I would and not. And the computer sits in there. Uh, does that denote no. a home office? No. Okay. That would be really stretching the, stretching, stretching the definition of a home office. It has to be something that's used exclusively for your business. So the fact that you have a dining room table in there would mean that you don't use it exclusively for your business. Sure. But then let's go, let's go the route of like the gym. So, so the, or the pool route, does that have to be exclusively used, uh, by, uh, you know, um, employees of the business or how does that work? No, it has to be a home athletic facility has to be for the use of your employees, which you would be one of your employees and their families. Yeah. So, and that doesn't mean that you can't have people over. It just means that as long as it's for the use of those, it qualifies. Yeah. I love this. I want to stay on this topic for a little bit longer. And if it feels like we're kind of, we're stuck on this, it's because I think that there's so many photographers who are operating out of their home, uh, who have families, uh, and, and are running their business there. And I kind of want to, uh, get into this a little bit more. And if you feel like we're kind of going too specific and it needs to go more, um, we need to step away from this because maybe you can't give that direct advice. That's okay. Um, I, I understand that this isn't actual like, like legal advice for people. Um, but, I'd love to kind of stay in this to help photographers out, help them think about the conversations that they should be having with their personal accountants. So uh, the home office route is, is like, this is what 90, probably 90% of photographers do. And so like, even, even when we first started off, Craig, you know, we operated out of a two bedroom apartment and it was like half of our bedroom like it, that's all we had. Like we had our one bedroom, other one that was like, you know, for the kid. And then our bedroom was the only other option. And half of it was our room that we slept in. And then the other half was just like our office. It was where we put our desks and everything. Does that denote, like, can you, can you write off essentially like half of a space, half of a room, or does it have to be contained within four walls and a door? Well, it doesn't need to be contained within four walls um, and a door. And that typically, I would say some like a basement area. All right. But if you're sharing, or if somebody's living in, in half of a room, I would say you're stretching that. And I would, I would, my personal opinion was I would not take that as a deduction. Okay. Sure. Um, but, you know, if you wanted, you know, that's something that I would not feel very comfortable defending against an IRS person if they came in and there was a bed in that, in that room. Yeah. 
So you, you, you want to make sure what you're doing is legitimate. And there's typically everybody has a space in their house or their apartment where they can use exclusively for that, whether it's the garage or space in the basement. And then you get a percentage of all your different deductions, okay, flow through the business instead of, you know, things that might flow through on a personal. Um, another thing I don't want to jump away from home office, but really I think would be beneficial for your listeners to know is something called um, a medical expense reimbursement plan. Defend, depending on the type of entity they have, what a medical expense reimbursement plan is, it's in lieu of wages. Let's just say you have a spouse. Instead of paying your spouse, her compensation is uh, a medical expense reimbursement plan, which would allow you to, say, write off your kids' braces, any out-of-pocket medical costs. Sometimes we have people where their their kids go to a special school, all right? Um, and it, if those things fit the criteria of a medical expense, now they can make them 100% deductible. Wow. Never heard of that. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's a conversation uh, for me to have. Um, I think overall, I think, dude, Craig, I think the big takeaway from this, and I hope that other people aren't having this takeaway. I hope other people are listening to you, Craig, and they're like, yes, I'm already doing this stuff. Medical expense reimbursement plan, done. Uh, home office, so I can capitalize on the the gas mileage from my over office and the whatever you said with the, the swimming pool and the athletic thing, done. I've already been doing that. My account's on it. I hope you listeners are just like checking off the boxes. But I got to be honest, Craig, I'm over here on the other end being like, why, why haven't I heard about this? What are the, why hasn't the, the, some of these options been brought up or, or maybe, maybe my, my, the, my last ditch is maybe I'm just unaware of it and they have been doing it and, and the conversations haven't been there. And so maybe I need to have these, these conversations to discover that it's been happening, but I'm going in my mind, Craig, I'm thinking like, I need to find uh, a new CPA. Like I need to find a new accountant is what I'm currently discovering. And so it's not a fun thought, but I'm also really appreciative uh, of, of learning from you. Right. Man. But the, the positive is, you know what, if you could go ahead and, sp- and save five, 10, 20, $30,000 in 2018 on taxes, because you did some planning, that's a great thing. That'll make everybody really happy. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Is this, I mean, as far as I I know with like accountants, it's like April's just insane. And like, you know, healthcare, there's like open enrollment periods. Like is, is there any advice in regards to like a good time to find an accountant, a good time to make that pivot? Probably now it's early in the season or early in the year. So, um, people, you know, it's after tax season. So, you know, people should have the time to, to talk with you. Um, and it gives you, you know, you have another seven months to plan for the rest of the year and see what you can take advantage of versus waiting till October, November, December when you have very little time to plan. Yeah. It's like, there's, uh, I've been reading this book, making money is killing your business. And they talk a lot about the tyranny of the urgent and how we put off all these things like this. Like, like I love the way that you consider, um, your accountant as it's a, um, it's not a write-off, it's an income. It's not an expense rather. It's an income opportunity. Um, and we don't think of it that way because we're so concerned about the email that I got to send or the fire I got to put out or the, or the, the bride who I've got to get the photographs to, um, or the next bridal show that's coming up or whatever it may be. And there's these, really listeners, please. This is so important. What Craig is talking about right now, if this could save you, even if it can only save you 2000, but, but to see the opportunity for, for 10 or 15 or whatever it may be, I mean, uh, it, it really can't be put off. And, and what always happens, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself right now, you guys, April will hit, uh, January of 2019 is going to hit and I'm going to go, shit, 
I really should have switched my account or I really should have been paying attention to this stuff. And, and I'm going to step out and make some of these moves and have some of these conversations. I really want to encourage you guys. I know we're in the middle of busy season. I know you're out photographing uh, every weekend, multiple times a week, um, but to not let this slip by. Yeah, especially with the section 199, there's, there's planning to be, to be had there. Yeah. Yeah. That one, that one's, that one's so big, Craig. Craig, look, this has been so exciting. I, uh, I want to continue this conversation and I want to keep learning from you. Where, where can other listeners do the same? Where can they find you online? Where can they check out uh, your book? Uh, get a chance to, to, to even read that. Can you let people know where to find you? Sure. Sure. We'll give you the link, but it's um, craigcodyandcompany.com forward slash photography, there'll be an opt-in box there. It's a landing page with a box to fill out and we'll send you actual, an actual paper copy of that book. Wow. Um, and Craig, that's awesome. You're Wow. You're really going to, you're going to mail them a copy of the book. Mail them a copy of the book. You guys, if you don't do this, like, I don't know what to tell you. Like you just must not care. Like <laughs> Craig, thank you so much for doing it, man. That's incredible. You guys, we're going to make sure that we get that link down in the show notes. Please like this is a gift. This is a major gift. Take advantage of this. Uh, please take advantage of this and and reach out and thank Craig. Let him know. Uh, read his content and then let him know, you guys. Um, Craig, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, for for helping to inform us. Um, I really appreciate uh, you taking the time uh, to care for other people like this. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Bye, Craig. Bye. -bye. You guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I, I kid you not, listeners, if you don't go down into the show notes right now, click on that link and fill in the information to get that free book. Like it's, it's ludicrous. What he's going to, he's going to mail you a physical copy, uh, to take in and to read. Um, please go do this. Like I literally, this is what I love about the podcast. You guys, I'm going to go learn. I'm going to hang up this podcast right now and then I'm going to go and I'm going to enter my email address uh, and I'm going to go learn more from Craig. And I really want to encourage you guys uh, to do the same. Listeners, don't let this be the last time uh, that we connect. Obviously, tune into the next episode, but I want to invite you. We've been creating a ton of content over on YouTube and I want to invite you to go check it out. And if you could do me a major favor and subscribe and ring that bell because we're producing multiple videos every single week. One of them is my super favorite. It is a behind the scenes vlog. I've got a full-time videographer who's just following around and filming everything that we do here at Style & Story, everything that goes on behind the scenes uh, with the podcast, with six-figure photography, uh, with coaching. And I'd love to bring you guys into that world. Uh, and so subscribe, ring the bell, and 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 leave a comment because you better believe I'm going to read it and I'm going to reply to you. You guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in the next episode or better yet at YouTube. Bye, everybody. Bye.